Hey, everyone. My name is Al Gugliotta, and I want to welcome you to The Unlearning Project. This is my attempt to break down the origins of our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, our biases, most of which have been imposed upon us by our upbringing. My main goal in this entire podcast is to pivot from a place of self-judgment that we're all too familiar with to a place of self-curiosity. Thanks for joining. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Unlearning Project. My name is Al Gugliotta. I'm here with my co-host, Virginia Elder. Hey, Virginia. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. So I wanted to talk about trusting the process today. It's a good one. Again, another cliche term. You hear that thrown around a lot. You know, you just got to trust the process. Don't worry about the result. Just trust the process. It's so intricate. It's so, in some ways, convoluted because your mind works and (laughs) plays tricks on you when it comes to any endeavor. So you choose to do something. You choose a job or you choose a sport or a recreation or a musical instrument or whatever to learn a language. Right. So many different things that you can choose. Any endeavor in your life this can apply to. And when you start, usually like you're very excited motivation's high, you're elated, you got a lot of vigor to you. And then after, you know, two weeks, a month, two months, maybe even less than that, maybe even the next day, right? (laughs) It just kind of goes in the tank and you're kind of like, wait a second. I was so excited yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm not excited today. Maybe this isn't the right thing. Mm, Maybe this isn't for me. Yeah, maybe this isn't for me. What's the (laughs) point? By the time this airs, it'll be probably March or close to that. That'll be perfect considering the whole new year thing. Like resolu- <laughs> like people tend to just really, and I'm a gold setter. I don't think I'm a resolution person, but I do set goals. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be really interesting yeah. for everybody to kind of look at this and say, oh yeah, in January, I was jazzed about this. And I haven't run in a month or (laughs) whatever it was, whether it be like, you know, we were talking about health, finances, job, whatever you were gung-ho to start doing. Yeah. Did you trust the process or did you fall off already or? Yeah. Nothing happens without the process. That's why the best athletes, the best in anything keep going. Like they just keep going. You know, it's almost like this like war of attrition. Where you just keep going. 90% of the battles showing up, they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, show up every day, every day, every day. You know, sooner or later, you're going to get there. But on the flip side of that, are you going down the right path? Are you climbing the right ladder? Right. That's where your mind starts playing those tricks. That And how do you know? How do you know if you're going to show up every day for a year and then finally get that result? Or if you're going to show up every day for a year and you're in a cul-de-sac where you you can't get anywhere. Yeah. Like more often than not, it's your mind playing tricks on you just to get out of that pain because you want to now re-idealize something else. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I had so much motivation and like excitement about this endeavor. 
when I was first thinking about it, mm-hmm. let me find something else where I can get that feeling again. Oh yeah. Start a new project. <laughs> you start chasing this feeling of like, I'm excited about something. Everybody knows somebody like this. Right. Right. They're like Mr. Ideas, right? Yes. I have this idea. I'm into cryptocurrency. And then the next I'm into Facebook advertising. And then I'm into... Always on to the next thing. Yeah. There's always like a different business idea, next thing. And then... Isn't there a, a phrase for that? Like someone who starts you know, kind of like a serial entrepreneur or something, but somebody that starts things constantly, but never finishes them. I think that's called something. Yeah. Like a serial moron. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. No, nobody's a serial moron. No, but I feel like there's a phrase, but I can't think of it. Yeah. You just continue to like, just start things and never follow them through. Yeah. Just jumping. Yeah. One thing to the next. I think a lot of it's like waiting for this payday or waiting for like some big... Mm triumph or like success. And that's just not the way any of this stuff works. Because trusting the process is the complete opposite of immediate gratification. Yeah. And so we tend to go the fitness route. Yeah. So you start running. Oh, well, I don't have a six pack yet. Like, is, does this work? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Should I be doing this? Is this worth my time? Right. I mean, immediately <laughs> on that first run, maybe <laughs> like, you know, a mile in, you're like, oh man, this sucks. <laughs> or like two days into your diet, you look at the mirror, you're like, I look worse. I'm bloated now. <laughs> How can I look worse? This is the, we- all right, and now we won't stay on the diet thing or like the fitness thing too long, but I, this is what I've found because I've been like in like exercise and diet for a while. Right. For me, it's like day three. Day three is the worst. At least. I mean, for me, it's, especially from an aesthetic point of view, like after the holidays, of course. Oh, yeah. But don't even look. You don't look that terrible coming off of like a binge, like where you're binging for like weeks. You're like looking at you're like, all right, it's not that bad. But then when you start working out and eating clean, for whatever reason, that first week, it almost feels like you look worse. <laughs> I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, how am I getting worse? <laughs> I'm eating better. It's almost like this lag time. Yeah. There's always like this week of lag time before like you really start seeing results or feeling better. I think that's fair. That's my experience. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but lag time is a good description. Takes a little time. Yeah. And in that lag time is when people are just like, throw their hands up in the air, like, screw this. Yes. What's the points? For me, it's typically day three of starting whatever workout or anything. I'm so sore. I cannot move. Yeah. So day four, I know that I've got to get back out there because I've got to work out that soreness or it'll be like extended time that I'm going to be sore. But that three to seven day little window there is just rough. Oh, yeah. When you talk about like that idea of trusting the process, it's getting out ahead of all of the pitfalls that are coming. Mm. So you know that now, right? So you know, like when you exercise and you haven't exercised in a while, three days in, you're going to be sore, which your physical soreness is going to turn into mental fatigue and mental kind of like your mind's going to get negative because like you're sore and you're tired. Yeah. You know this ahead of time. So like, again, it doesn't make it easier, but once you're there and you're in that soreness and you're in that fatigue and your mind's playing those tricks of like, why even bother doing this? You know, it's right. What's the point? But you know, the negativity that's coming. And so you can almost prepare for it. Yeah. And anticipate it and already start to have like arguments to help yourself keep going. Exactly. Like point it out. Like there it is. There's, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the, you know, the little dip I was thinking was coming and here it is. I'm in it. Yeah. Got to wait it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
running wise for me, I distract myself. I go, okay, well, let's do a different route today. Yeah. Or let's listen to music instead of a podcast. Just something, just anything to like shake it up and distract myself from the awfulness (laughs) just so I can get over that hump. Yeah. But I think it's probably easier for us than most in the area of exercise just because we've done it before. We have experience. Yes. But we have other areas where it's more difficult. For me, it's always been business. Mm -hmm. And even though I feel like I've accomplished a lot in business, I always have that feeling of mm-hmm. what's the point? You know, why don't I just hang this up and try something different? I'm like, after 20 years of doing it, I'm like, I'm still saying that repetitive thought process. So, don't you think that aligns well with the thought and the saying and the idea that even millionaires think that they have not saved enough, yes. that they're not doing enough, that they haven't earned enough? Oh, yeah. Because they're comparing themselves up. So a millionaire is comparing themselves to a billionaire. And so, you know, you're always looking upward. You're never going to be like, oh, made it. Yeah. I'm good. You're always raising the bar. So like, think about, I heard somebody say it in this way. They were like a wrestler. And like, I wrestled in high school and I won like the county championship. That was my biggest goal. So I got to the counties. Then I went to the States. And then, you know, I struggled, I struggled, struggled, and then I, I didn't get it. Then the next year, I won the state championship. Then I struggled for another year, got to, I don't know, whatever it was, college, and then went to Division One wrestling, and then won the NCAA national championship, got there. And then I went on to the Olympic qualification. It was just like the bar kept raising. Wow. And then finally got to like the gold medal, won the gold medal, and it was like there was nothing else. Yeah. There was nowhere else to go. Mm-mm. And it was like this complete depression of like... You're just spending your whole time shooting for these different, like these different milestones. Mm -hmm. And then you get to them and then they let you down because all you were thinking about was the finish line. Mm -hmm. You didn't pay attention to like other facets of your life, relationships, maybe rounding your career a little bit with like advertisements or just other facets of what could be considered an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, but that is a thing. The professional athletic mm-hmm. field, that is a thing. Yeah. Definitely. And they didn't fall in love with the process. Mm. They, they fell in love with the outcome, right? Everything was about what's the pinnacle, what's the outcome, what's the success, what's the milestone when I hit these things. Mm-hmm. I think the people that are really successful in all aspects of life fall in love with in whatever process. So if you're like a great painter... Mm-hmm. You ask a great painter, like that's really successful, that's happy. I just love painting. Right. I just love waking up in the morning. I spend my first three hours of my day painting. I just love doing that. And if you didn't pay me anything for it, I'd do it anyway. Right. That's very different from saying, well, I love when someone buys my painting. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different goal. I'll feel like a success when somebody pays 10 grand for my painting. Right. And then when it's 10 grand, then I want 50 grand. And then when it's that, I want that. And it's like yeah. a never ending. And it's almost like the goal wasn't in the right place. Mm-hmm. I always thought about that as far as process, like enjoying what you're doing. And the little blurb that you had sent me, it was like a little story about... <laughs> You know, just something simple that we all consider normal, right? Like you take a check to the bank (laughs) and you got to sign the back of it for and hand it over. You're going to trust that the teller is going to give you your cash. Yeah. But, you know, this guy didn't trust that, went to a different bank, didn't trust that, went to a different bank. And the tellers kept telling him saying, no, sir, you got to sign the back of the check. And he's like, I'm not signing it and then giving it to you. Like if I sign it and give it to you, then Then you're not going to give me my money. (laughs) 
I literally started laughing when I was reading that. I don't know. It's kind of a silly story, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish. No, no, that's right. Because we all consider that just such a normal process. That's what you do to get your cash. Right. But what if this guy, I don't know, just was born yesterday. (laughs) I mean, he wouldn't know that that's the process, right? Yeah. So finally, somebody whacked him upside the head (laughs) and told him, do it. (laughs) (laughs) So in shock, he did it and got his cash and was all happy. But you and I were talking about that sometimes there has to be that slap upside the head, the wake up call, the some people that's like a rock bottom moment. Yeah. Something to make you realize, oh, I have to do all these steps. I have to trust the process. Yes. And Virginia, I love you and everything, but you butchered that story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you tell it. Not cut that out. Honestly, I don't even remember. I mean, I just remember the punchline was like, and then he went back to the first teller. And then he he said, I got my money. And what did she say? She said something along the lines of, well, yeah, because you had to sign the back of the check. And he's like, well, you just didn't explain it the right way. (laughs) Like, You didn't slap me upside the head and force me to sign the damn thing. Right. And I, I feel like I deal with that in my work, like with clients, you'll explain something to them. They get it. They know what to do. It's right for them. Everything's, then they don't do it. And it's like, you just sign the damn form. Like we just went through the whole idea that this is good for you. It's good for your family. It's good for everybody. But they're so scared in that moment for whatever reason yeah, that they don't follow through with it. Like I have a, you know, a client that they won't do a freaking will. It's like, you need a will. Like oh. then you decide where you're they, for whatever reason, they just won't pull the trigger on. I'm like, I don't understand. Again, he needs a slap upside the head. Yes. I can't physically do that. <laughs> I want to. And what's always struck me about that is when you don't do that, you're actually burdening your kids or whoever else is going to fall to. Yes. That's a legit burden when the kids have to figure that stuff out on their own and go to court and deal with probate and just all that crap. Oh, man. I mean, it's... Don't burden anybody with that. Just make your decisions. People just get scared of their own shadow when it comes mm. to financial, anything like legal or financial. Like, ah, oh, I don't want to even deal with it. Forget it. Or like a healthcare proxy. Like, I don't want to deal with, oh my God, I'll never die. I don't want to think about death. I'm like, guess what? We're all, it's all, we're all going to be there someday. Yes. Let's put your big boy pants on and do the right thing. Right. But I think the slap upside the head is like a really, that's what made me laugh in that story was that. <laughs> Anyway, everybody's got to read that story. It's just really funny. I yeah. thought it was. Yeah, I'll put it like in the show notes or something. Yeah. What could the slap upside the head be in these different scenarios? For you, I think you said a story you'd shared before was when you got let go at work. Yeah, Slapped you upside the head and made you be like, okay, well, now I'm finally going to start going out on my own. Yeah, it's almost like we're waiting for somebody to force us to do something. We're mm-hmm. waiting for a health scare. I'm not going to do what I want to do until somebody forces me to do it or until I have that heart attack. Yeah. Once I have that heart attack, people are like, oh, that's a wake-up call. Or like when a friend close to you passes away and doesn't have a will and you see the pain their family's going through, then you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to do my will now. I know. It's like you want to make these decisions before you're forced into them. Mm. That's the hardest thing is you want to make beneficial life decisions before you're forced into them. Not just that, but it also makes me think in that example, if someone Mm -hmm. close to you passed and you see their family struggling with the situation because he didn't have a will, you're going to go into creating your will 
in a very emotional, kind of almost fearful state. Whereas I think it's so much better if you could have made those choices and made that decision without that fear there. I I just feel like you would create a more level-headed plan. Definitely. But somehow, some way, most of the time, we don't make those decisions unless there's a big slap upside the head. Again, fear-driven, right? Because most Mm -hmm. of our decisions are Mm fear-driven. Very true. Especially with new endeavors. Think about being an entrepreneur. That's the biggest one. That's why so many people won't do that. Right. Nobody will make that jump. That's one of the most terrifying jumps, especially coming from a corporate America type environment. Right. You're used to getting your W-2 paycheck every two weeks. Yeah. And the automatic deduction of your taxes. I don't want to pay my own taxes. Somebody else is doing it for me. Like all these simple little things that you can totally do on your own and learn very quickly, that's preventing you from making a decision. It's not just that with entrepreneurial. Yeah. No, I think about that all the time. I think about, of course, where would I be if I had just started this at that time? Mm -hmm. There's that thought always. Yeah. But yeah, what if I had never worked the corporate job, never gotten used to a certain level of paycheck or... What if I really had created all of that my own when I was 22 or whatever it was? Yeah. What would my life be like now? So there's always that question. But then what if I did that? Then I would always be wondering what it would be like to work corporate. What it would be like to have that paycheck every month, you know, just hand it over. I mean, again, (laughs) these are all thoughts, right? These are all thoughts that you don't need to believe. It's what our mind just does. We're just flip-flopping a million different scenarios. Like my train of thought always goes to with everything. Like I was talking about meditation before that I was trying the Headspace app for a little while. I did it for two weeks and then missed a day like I always do. And then two days later, missed an And I'm like, screw this. What's the point? I don't even feel that much different. And then you look back and you're like, if I would have just did 10 minutes a day for a year, Mm -hmm. I would have been like a completely different person. I really believe that. But in those moments, you're not thinking like a whole year seems like forever. Yes, You're in it. Like you're going day by day by day. And then you're thinking, holy shit, I got another 50 weeks before I hit a year. (laughs) It's easy to say it looking back because there's no effort in thinking about it. Right. You can think about everything. It's like pat yourself on the back for climbing Mount Everest. Oh, you can picture yourself doing, oh, how what a great feeling that would be. I'm at 29,000 feet. And I did it. I got this backpack on. And I'm like looking up above the clouds and this crazy sunset. Yeah, but you're not thinking about the strain and the cold and the frostbite and like losing a third of your body weight trying to get yes <laughs> all the struggle that it takes to get there to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So we get caught up in the fantasy. Right. We get caught up in that kind of like, what do they call it? Like the armchair quarterback or... You know, where you're just sitting back and you're like, yeah, that guy should have passed the ball better. And you're making believe, yeah, like, you know exactly what the team should have done to win. But you're not out there playing. Mm-mm. And you have no, you know? probably no experience playing football or <laughs> whatever. And you're sitting here calling the game. <laughs> yeah, you never got hit by a 300-pound linebacker, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Oh, you should have done, he should have done that, huh? Oh, easy for you to say. It's so easy for us from an outside perspective to say like, oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. When we're in these different things, whether it's a health thing, career, job, money, whatever it is, it helps so much to have that outside perspective because we were talking about, okay, trust the process. So you show up every day for a year, 
you make progress? Or how do you know when you are running towards a dead end and when you should change directions? Right. That's where a coach or like you were saying, a financial planner or somebody with an outside perspective, I think would be one of the few people who'd be able to actually give you an honest opinion because you're just too in it. Mm -hmm. You're too close, too deep. You're always questioning you're buried with your to-do lists and all of that. Yeah. It would be so challenging. You know, that's where there's like business coaches and just all of that to be able to tell you maybe what things to drop, where to turn. Yeah. Or just keep going. Yeah. Or just clarify your thoughts like, oh, this is, I see what you're thinking about. Let me give you like this other perspective. Mm -hmm. Or this is where like you're really thinking about this maybe in the wrong way. So I had a conversation yesterday with a client. He's just a funny guy. And we're we're talking, we're talking about his account and the market's up. So he's happy when the market's down, he's unhappy. (laughs) And it's just this back and forth. And he always tells me that like, he likes nice things, right? We all do. (laughs) He's like, he's like, Al, I want to retire and I like nice things. So, you know, I need a lot of money. (laughs) And so like him telling you that is going to really change what the numbers do. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But then, all right, so that's on one side of the spec, right? So I, I like nice things. I need a lot of money. Other side is like, I don't want to lose anything because listen, 2008 was terrifying to me and I don't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain to him, I'm like, we need to have some risk right. to get to the goal of having a lot because mm-hmm. you like nice things and you're not going to get there in, unless you take some risk. Mm-hmm. And with that risk will come the potential of that 2008, mm-hmm. knowing that, It'll bounce back eventually, but you have to like take that risk, the risk reward pendulum where you can't get one without the other. We can't get to where you want to be by being conservative. Yeah, you'll never have that 2008 again, but you'll never get to where you want to go. Right. That's the most common conversation I have with clients is that conversation, the risk reward. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to believe it. Everybody wants 20% returns a year with no risk. Right. (laughs) I wish I could do it. I mean, I'd have no job if I can provide that, you know, like anybody can get that. Then we're all set. There's no problem. Yeah. You would be revealing the biggest secret in the world. Yeah. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody wants the same thing. And it's this constant Mm -hmm. struggle to make them understand that. By getting to where you want to go, you're going to have years where it's going to feel like crap. Mm -hmm. You're going to have these dips, these long slogs, these long, like, they don't have to be gut-wrenching. It's all the way they're interpreting it. Like, they can literally just, market's going down, don't look at your statement, keep contributing. Yeah. You said there was a book by Seth Godin? Yes. It's called The Dip. Okay. Short book, really good, read it a long time ago, easy read. And that's where we got that concept of the cul-de-sac. And he talks about the cul-de-sac being when to know when you're in a dead end. Mm -hmm. When you're going down some path and you're fighting and you have grit and you're going, you're going, you're going, and you're like, you're not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. And you're probably not going to get anywhere. It's just the wrong path. And I think that's the toughest thing to know. Okay, are you just getting worn down, but you need to keep going because you will get to your goal eventually? Yeah. Or is it really time to U-turn? You ever see that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith? Yes, but it was such a long time ago. 
in the beginning of the movie, he's selling these giant bone scanner machines to doctor's offices, like this giant white machine, Mm -hmm. like back in the eighties. And that's his job. He bought, he's put his life savings. He bought like 50 of these things. They sell for like two grand a piece. And he's carrying them around to all these doctor's offices. Nobody's buying them. They're just too expensive and nobody really needs them. But he continues to try to sell them. And I always thought of that. That's a perfect cul-de-sac. Nobody needs the technology, but you're hammering and hammering and you're just beating yourself up and it's not going anywhere. The technology's dead. Mm-hmm. And then he like pivots and then gets into the brokerage house. He goes to Merrill Lynch and That's the story progresses and he becomes successful. But he starts out going down this cul-de-sac. Yeah. So I always thought it's hard to know that though, because like you're so invested in something or... That's the rarity. If anything, I'd rather be that person. At least you have the grit to like really get going. Now you just have to pivot that energy mm-hmm. towards something else. The hard thing to change is the people that start something, do it for a week or two, and they're like, no, nope, not feeling it there. Let me try something else. Yeah. And then we all have friends like that that have a million different ideas or they jump from job to job. And then next thing you know, they're 45, 50 years old. They've never built anything. Right. Their resume is all chopped up. Nobody really wants to hire them because they've been with 20 different companies. Right. So it's sad. They thought they were doing the right thing, but their minds, every time they got into something and it didn't feel invigorating, they switched mm-hmm. because they wanted that invigorating feeling. So they were chasing these dopamine rush almost, right? Right. Constantly jumping. And when they weren't getting it, they're like, this thing is wrong. There's your mind playing the trick. This thing is wrong. That's a really like subtle thing that we all need to be aware of. Because mm-hmm. that derails everything. That derails so much of your success in every aspect of your life. Think of relationships. Yeah. Relationships. You're married. Mm-hmm. I'm divorced. People that think of people that are married five times. Right. I'm not one to judge, right? Whatever. You want to you want to marry 10 people, marry 10 people. (laughs) Maybe the idea is that you're with somebody and you get that honeymoon phase and like everything's great for the first year or two. It's exciting, it's passionate, Mm. it's this, and then that fades. And then you're back in the regular life and you're like, Right. Where's the excitement? Let me go find the excitement somewhere else. Yep. Jumping again. It goes every aspect of life, right? Like yeah, it really work, does. Romance, exercise, mm-hmm. learning a language. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to do for a lot of people. Yes, especially as an adult. I mean, kids can pick up a language like yeah. nothing. But for us, yeah. oh my gosh. It's frustrating. That's actually what we said recently. We're like around the dinner table. We're saying we should pick a language. And then when we can speak pretty well... Our reward as a family should be to go to that country <laughs> and go like check it out and talk and learn about the culture. That's awesome. That's a, that's a big goal. It's kind of fun, uh-huh. kind of interesting, different. I want to travel. One of my daughter's little friends' father is Italian, so they speak Italian in their household. Okay. So we were like, hey, we could learn Italian and then go the two girls could chat to each other and be like their secret language. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We're thinking about it. That's cool. But that would definitely be one of those long-term things that... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to go like drink the wine and eat the cheese. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely a stressful... Like I've heard like the idea of becoming fluent when you're thrown into like an environment where you have to speak it. 
they just have to do it. And it's not fun because you're constantly being corrected. You're constantly sounding like a Neanderthal because like you're just saying words wrong and like, like saying, dumb American. Yeah, just sound <laughs> and you just keep correcting. And it's like this correction and correction just keep being less wrong about what you're saying. And mm-hmm. then eventually you can speak fluently. But I've heard it described from Tim Ferriss of all people. He says, you just sound so bad for so long and you feel like an idiot. Yeah. Because you're constantly just like fumbling over your words. Words don't go together. And little by little, you start just piecing it together. But it takes a lot of time. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'll let you know after a while. (laughs) But what a cool trait to teach your kids to learn. Because all our kids know about is outcome, right? The finished products. Mm. Again, we talk about the Instagram life. Mm -hmm. What's the finished product? Who has 2 million subscribers on their Insta, whatever, TikTok or whatever you want to my kids know about this, like, so-and-so is the most popular person on TikTok. I'm like, stop. Yes. Like, stop thinking about that. I don't even know who that is and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And you shouldn't care because that's going to do you no good. Yes. Find something you like and get into it and then learn how to love that process. Yeah. And then <laughs> it sounds so silly. Again, these are all like so cliche, like build it and they'll come or like learn the process and love it. And eventually the success will follow. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it doesn't work any other way. Yeah. Any other way is a lottery ticket. Right. Good luck with that. Good luck with your one in 10 million lottery ticket. That's a cool thing to like teach your kids is just learn how to love something. We're trying. And I think you got to do things slow. For instance, my daughter just started taking guitar lessons. And I can already tell huh. that she likes the idea of playing guitar, but doesn't, <laughs> she likes the idea of being in a band. She wanted a red guitar for Well, yeah, Christmas. that's like the cool life, right? Like you got your friends, there's people cheering for you. Oh, yeah. You're recording. Like it, it just looks cool. It looks cool. Right. Before they even know how to play instruments, they want to be in a band or in her friends. And I asked her, I'm like, well, what kind of guitar do you want? She's like a red one. I'm like, oh, all right. So the color is what's right. most important. The red guitar. Right. Okay. And I don't know anything and about so guitars, the issue- but you know, I'm sure there's different types. So that the right, sound exactly. Is... Different brands, <laughs> right? Yeah, all different kinds. Okay. But she wanted a red one, which is fine. So we get her a red guitar, go to her first lesson. She's doing okay, but again, this is going to be like a long process. And I don't want to scare right. her and say, hey, you know what? You're going to be like suffering and struggling for the next five years before you're any good. Can't say that. It's scare them right away. Yeah. And hopefully she doesn't feel that it's suffering and struggling. Maybe she thinks it's annoying <laughs> or some other right. description. But you know, Suffering and struggling was definitely a little overkill. Yeah, no, because little... we talked about like running. I mean, that's definitely like suffering and struggling. Yes. But I still do it. But isn't it like know. a? it's all a mental thing though? It's not like you're physically struggling. Oh, I maybe, am. <laughs> maybe a little bit. There's all different levels of struggle. I'm not right? a good runner. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're getting beaten in a concentration camp. Totally you're not different. suffering to that extent. Right. But it's more of a, I think it's more of a mental struggle because it you're fighting is. with your minds, like your mind's telling you to stop. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I always go back to the biggest thing I liked about David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me, mm-hmm. was when he talks about, he calls it the one second decisions. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like so genius, like the one second decisions that he, and all throughout the book, he talks about it where he's like, he's on this track and he's running a hundred miles by himself with barely any training. Wow. And like literally he gets like to mile 50 and his whole body's just blown out. He's got another 50 miles to go. 
And he just talks about these one second decisions. He's like, I was out ahead of my one second decisions. And those questions were like, why are you doing this? What the hell are you doing? You're beating yourself up. Your foot's broken. Like you can't do this. And so it's your mind turning inside out on itself, basically asking these questions. And most people's answer to the question of why are you doing this is, I don't know. Yeah. You don't know, then you're not going to continue to do it. Yeah. That's a good point. There's got to be some kind of really strong conviction or goal or. Or why, right? The why of why, why are we doing this? Like what? And that's the question he kept getting like, the more painful it got, the more your brain gets into that mode of like self-preservation of like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. You're hurting yourself. And his like answer to it was like, you're the toughest man on the planet. You're a freaking Navy SEAL. You're this, you're that. You're doing this for a charity that you freaking believe in. You're, Mm -hmm. you have all of these answers to those one second questions Mm -hmm. so that you don't give up. And that's like in the one of the most extreme circumstances. You're doing a hundred mile race on no training. Yeah, that's insane. You know? Wow. Which is complete insanity. That book is on my reading list for this year, by the way. It's real good. It's really it's worth it. I mean, there's a reason why this got like maybe even more by now, thirty thousand reviews, and just it's one of the best selling audibles. It's a big one. So yeah, trusting the process. There's so many things I like to think about when I think about the process. I always think about the mindset behind it, mm-hmm. that you have to really get out ahead of all the pitfalls that you're going to have that you know are coming. Like right. I know they're coming in so many different instances and that your mind's going to try to convince you not to do something. Always. In every endeavor I've ever done, it's always tried to convince me, what's the point? You're too old. You're too this. You're too slow. You're too this it's too late or it's too early. That's a huge one, right? Yeah. I'm too young. I can't do it. It's too early. I can't be an entrepreneur. It's too late. I can't be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Now I'm 47 years old. Those are just thoughts. Yeah. That means absolutely nothing. That's, there's no reality to that. It's just some weird thought process. When I think that comes at all levels at all angles, I'm in a bunch of podcast groups like on Facebook Mm -hmm. and people post all the time. I don't think I have the right voice for it. I have a really strong accent. Mm. Are people even going to listen to me? Like, all these questions. Yeah. I do try to respond to those because I'm like, yes, like it doesn't matter. Just speak because you recording and actually publishing something is way more than a bunch of other people are doing. Yeah. Go for it. But then I think there's that you have to answer all those questions very solidly for yourself before going ahead and taking that first step so that you can maintain that grit and that longevity. Because if not, those questions are going to come up week two, week three, whatever, and you're going to drop off. And then why did you even start? I always think of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type guy where he Mm -hmm. lifts weights, got heavy accent, decides he wants to be like the biggest box office movie star of all time, can't even speak the language. Did it anyways. But in his mind, he was like, nope, that's what I'm going to do. If anybody had any reason not to do it, it would be him. Right. His internal dialogue for most people, if they were him, would be like, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. People can't even understand me. Why would I even think I can do this? And I'm sure plenty of people asked him that or said that. Like, there's no way he didn't get comments and, you know, kind of that verbal garbage thrown at him. Right. There's no way. He did it anyway. So that's like the perfect example. I mean, he 
trusted the process, made tweaks along the way, showed up week after week. Yeah. It's almost like turning off your minds, right? Turning off like the doubt mechanisms coming in and you're just like, nope, don't believe that. Nope. Don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Nope. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Minds. Stop talking to me. Like if you had this little like zapping buzzer in your head, every time like a thought came up of like, I don't think you can do this, you know, just zap yourself. That's all it takes to be successful at something. It's just this laser focus on something. Get the doubt out of the way. If the doubt's coming, just completely disregard it as a thought that means nothing. And then taking the action that you would have done if you had positive thoughts about it. Just continue forward, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That relates a little bit to last week's episode, just what you just said about don't believe what you think. Uh Uh-huh. But the big piece is taking the action and trusting that process. I like also the concept of thinking that the thoughts that are going on in your head, those thoughts are like a radio that's going on in the background. Like you're in a room and there's a radio in the background. Hmm. And all you need to do is go over to the radio and just turn it down. You're not going to be able to turn it off. It's always, but you can turn it down. Right. And just get back to the task at hand. I think that's one of the most valuable traits you can have is like, being able to completely focus on something Mm -hmm. and all the distraction goes away. Mm -hmm. Distraction is like the thief of everything. Once you get in that mindset where like all those thoughts are like, I don't think I could do this. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I have too thick of an accent. What's the point? It's going to take too long. I'm too old. I'm too young. Just like a shiny object syndrome where you're just, oh, that looks better than what I'm doing. Let me go try that. Let me jump over here. Let me do yeah, YouTube. That, Let me do this thing. The movie with the it. dog and the squirrel, right? When the dog's talking, he's like, squirrel. <laughs> he like turns to the side. Complete distraction. Yes. And I think that's apparent in every aspect as well. You know, if you want to go the health route, you're thinking, yeah. oh, well, maybe I should do yoga. That person looks fantastic and they go to yoga all the time. So maybe I should be doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh no, this person does Pilates. Maybe I should try that. You could just jump from activity to activity, but yes. why don't you just you never really dig in. Yeah. Stick with one for an extended mm-hmm. period of time. See how you feel about it. Yeah. Trust that process. Something that just came to mind too is, okay, so how long is that process? Yeah. I don't think there's any set length of time for any of these things. Like how long should you stick to one workout or a type of workout Mm -hmm. or a type of business or a strategy or. You got to be open to (laughs) changing course a little bit, right? If it's not, if you're in that cul-de-sac, that's the toughest question in this whole idea that we're talking about of trusting the process is that you don't want to be just banging your head against the wall Mm -hmm. for years on end and something that's going nowhere. Right. And just differentiating which one is the right path. Yeah. And how long you should stick with it before you analyze the results and decide. Yeah. I guess it doesn't have to be like one rigid path. Like there, you can veer off a little bit here and there or just like change course a little bit. But I think when you just cut and run on everything you do, that's a telltale sign that you're never going to really get to any level of mastery on anything. Right. If you're just continuing to just change course completely. Jumping constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as a parent, when you're with your kids, or like I said this in another post where you'll see somebody out with their kids and they're on their phone nonstop and the kids are like crazy and they're acting like unruly, whatever. And I'm like, of course the kids are acting unruly. You're paying zero attention. You're completely in your phone. They're like, ah, stop doing that. And they're like, back to their phone. 
it's all about this idea of being distracted. It's like when you're distracted, your kids are distracted, right? If you're focused on them, then they're focused. Mm. They're mirroring what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That goes for like leadership in like a company. Like if you're always distracted, oh, guess yeah. what? Your employees are going to be distracted. But if you have this kind of like laser focus, mm-hmm. like focus is such a huge thing. There was a, a philosopher that had a great quote, and I wish I would have researched it, <laughs> but it goes along the lines of, he said, the best skill anybody can cultivate is the idea of, bringing your attention back onto a certain subject matter over and over again. So basically being able to always bring your attention back on something that you're focusing on. Yeah. Because it's going to wander, but like the ability to bring it back and do it quickly and almost involuntarily, you know, where it's just your default mechanism. Yeah. Just over and over again, bring it back home. Bring it back home. What's exactly. What am I Go doing? Back. All right. Refocus, refocus, refocus. Mm. Yeah. That's one of the best qualities you can develop. I believe that. I really do. Yeah. The older I get, the more I realize if I could focus on whatever I'm thinking. Like, so if I'm playing drums, if I'm at work, if I'm doing phone calls, if I'm with my children, if I'm exercising, if you're really focused on what you're doing and you're not thinking about everything else while you're doing that thing, then that thing becomes so much more productive and more, you get more out of it. Yeah. More Uh, fulfilling. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us here. Please come follow us at unlearningproject.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Instagram, unlearning underscore project. And then on Facebook, it's unlearning project. Perfect. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. 